My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh yeah, you were supposed to be here at five. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> That's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying Mira, to kill me? Mira, that's what I gotta go. All right, bye. He's lying to you. And I think you know it. What's up, danger? Miles! Wanna get out of here? Oh, when? So wait a minute. There's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Who's the new guy? This is unbelievable. This is the lobby. Miguel O'Hara. The whole thing was his idea. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999-99. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! Spider-Man always... Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Can't stop me now! Can't run forever, kid. I can't lose one more friend. Miguel, this isn't what we talked about. You knew? You had no idea what you're doing. Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. All stations, stop Spider-Man. You, you want me? me? Let me guess, he died? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. We may be a little bit tardy, but we are none the less hearty, as in happy and excited to be back for another episode of IPC, broadcasting on Zach Arnold Productions and wherever you get your podcasts. I am Zach, and I've got a lot of heart with an E, but joining me is Ben Hart with no E, just floating by on the skin of his teeth after averting a natural disaster a couple of days ago. (laughs) Somehow got the internet back just in time to be able to record this episode. Dude, if that isn't the... uh, 
the the evidence of a divine presence i don't know what is that the power comes back like 24 hours before you're supposed to record your episode yeah it was real sketchy there for a bit um but uh glad to be here very glad to be here for multiple reasons because yeah stuff's happened and i'll i'll try maybe stick around towards the end of the show we'll we'll maybe just we'll we'll discuss what exactly happened and all that um uh, not a laughing matter, but thankfully no one got hurt. So that's that's really good, really really good. I think that's something to celebrate. It is indeed. I mean, I've I've had to uh, take shelter from natural disasters several times uh, in my neck of the woods, and it's never a very pleasant experience. Um, our friend Jesse, who's tuning in live tonight, he uh, is is in the Oklahoma area, which is kind of known. As oh, a gosh. as a storm and, and tornado alley, and so he is very familiar with these situations. Um, and uh, I've I've had to to duck in the bathroom a time or two myself to get away from potential yeah. danger. Never had anything really really severe happen, thank God. But uh, yeah, be sure to stick around because our uh, our barbecue segment that we do at the end of the show is going to be tightly integrated into some of the recent events for Mr. Hart over there. And we're going to kick off the episode with uh, kind of a pseudo Edna's icebreaker, which is something that we usually do at the top of the show. And uh, this one's going to pertain to some recent events that have been going on in my life, because from the last time you've heard from me and uh, and tonight's episode, um, I've I've been on a little adventure of my own, no averting a natural disaster, but getting yeah. to see something very natural and very beautiful. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit with this particular question, Ben. What would you say is the most scenic or the most beautiful nature walk slash hike you have ever been on? Because your family has, has been to like most of the United States, like 49 out of 50 or something like something crazy like that. Out of all those places that you've been to, what's been one of the more scenic views that you've seen? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. I will be completely honest because I've been on a lot of them. Um, been to a lot of the, the national parks, including the place that uh, you went to. Um, and you know, it's been a it's been a quite a long time. So, um, in fact, I was I was I was I think I was a kid last time I went up there. But uh, so your your pictures, seeing your pictures, were like really um, really nostalgic and really made me like, ah, gosh, it's been a while. I really want to go back. That's a great place. And I swear I've talked about this before on this show, but I'll mention it again because it's one of my old favorites. Dude, we've, one... we've, had, we've had over 360 <laughs> episodes. At, at some point, we're going to end up repeating ourselves. It's okay. Yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. I just I feel the need to like mention the fact that yes, I know I've talked about this before. Yes, you guys that are rolling your eyes right now because I'm repeating myself for the eighth time. Um, but one that sticks in my mind because I've done it a thousand times and it's you know I, I used to live up there. Uh, it's Amicalola Falls in uh, North Georgia, um, and it's one that is I think it's like the tallest. Tall, I think it's the tallest natural waterfall east of the Mississippi. I think that's the terminology. You might have to look that up. But I believe it's it's very tall waterfall, and basically it's this giant hike. You can approach it. There's a lodge at the top of the mountain where the waterfall is, and there's a, there's a parking lot at the bottom. And you can approach it from each angle. Um, so you can either hike all the way up. You can take a long, very strenuous 
steep hill to walk up to the base of the falls, and then there's another stairway to go all the way up to the top, or you can go to the top and walk down. Um, but and it's a beautiful waterfall, and you can see it from a bunch of different angles. Um, and you can, you know, pretty much anyway, if you, if you, for some reason, if you can't walk that well, uh, which I know people, a lot of people can't, um, it's very, very nice just to enjoy from the car too. So, um, or you don't have to walk a long way. So it's kind of, it's kind of, you're, it's a nice little nature trail because, um, you can see it from multiple different angles. You can see pretty much all of it. But if you can and you want to get closer, you can. So it's it's a really cool experience. So if, it, if anybody's ever in the area, I mean, just right close to Atlanta, which is very, very populated place. So um, I'm sure people up there probably know about it. But if you don't, go check it out. It's not just a short drive away. And I've been meaning to make a trip up to Georgia, mostly for like Six Flags and that sort of thing. That too. But And, and I want to go to um, the, the aquarium that's up there. But now you've given me like another reason to go because um, some of some of the, the natural beauty that this country has to offer, I think personally, is a little um, underrated. The, there, there are times where maybe we forget how beautiful this country is and to take in some of that nature is is such a fun thing. And and the reason why th- that is um, our icebreaker tonight is because I went to um, Colorado and got to see a lot of falls, got to see a lot of mountains, got to see a lot of wildlife. Um, that was really cool, being out in nature and, and seeing animals that are not in a zoo. Um there's just there's something different about them just being out there. I don't know if that makes any sense. Maybe not for a lot of people just because you know it's it's so it's so easy to 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 have access to 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 creatures and to nature and to wildlife, but living in the big city like I do, um Same some thing. sometimes you 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 lose sight, you lose um the the sensitivity to it and it was it was just so breathtaking to see what nature provided to you naturally and and i know i'm sounding redundant but i really i I really don't think words do it justice and so i i would encourage people to go take a look at the few pictures that I posted over on my social pages at uh, Zach the Voice, particularly on Facebook, because these scenic views are just unmatched. And my wife, Edna, did a wonderful job putting together a sort of edited um, video on TikTok that showed different videos and pictures of uh, the trails that we were on and the wildlife that we encountered. We came across marmots. Have you ever seen a marmot? They're they're like somewhere somewhere between a a squirrel and a beaver, and they're they're very interesting looking creatures. And there was a fox that jumped out from behind the the bushes that we were walking past, and he got within like ten feet of us. There was a deer that basically chased the people that were on the pathway in front of us, like kind of charged at them a little bit. Um, there was a moose on our trail that we came like within 200 feet of, but decided to back up and give it some space. Um, 
it was just it was really really fun and interesting to take in the meadow take in the mountains take in all of the sights and the smells and the sounds and then be able to to see the animals out there too it wasn't super crowded just like 20 people or so and i know i'm going on a on a tangent of sorts but my gosh what a fun fun trip it was to to see all of that even if it was just for a few days what i love about out west is just how wide open it is and how like you know because like as you say like I don't live in a big city, but I live in a very populated area, um, and it's nice to go to a place where it's just like there's nothing. There's nothing out there, um, and it's really fun just to go out into nature and experience the stuff and see animals. And yes, it's going to zoos and aquariums like that. It's fun to see animals, but to see them in the wild, there's just nothing quite like that. Um, in fact, you saw a moose. Like that's that's big. Like there's some animals that you don't usually see some some animals you are lucky to see i've only seen a moose like a couple of times really in the wild mm-hmm. like as many places i've been so like i'm so glad you guys got to see that experience that and and so many other things um but yeah it's just great and just being able and being at night like you look up at the sky and there's actually stars <laughs> It's oh, not yeah. just it's not just uh, light pollution and you just see a few pricks of stars. You actually see the true sky, how it is. Um, yeah, it's just an incredible place. And, uh, you know, it's it's great to kind of get away from everything and go to a place where there's just a few people. And you you realize because you'll you'll hear people go like, oh, overpopulation, whatever. And then you go out there and it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. There's still a lot of space that humans have not touched. Well, and I think that was the other thing that was breathtaking for me is because it's a natural park, it's going to be untouched and preserved like that until the end of time. Like the the government has sanctioned that land to be appreciated and explored and maintained. And it's, it's never going to be affected by industrialization of man. There's not going to be a skyscraper in the middle of the Rocky mountain national park. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so to, to be able to enjoy that beauty in its fullness was something that I'm going to remember for a long time. And, and part of it is I'm a big parks and recreation fan. And the <laughs> second half of the series is all about like national park service and park preservation and maintenance and stuff. And so I'm sitting here going, this is what Leslie Nope was working her entire life for. I get it now. <laughs> So there you go. It was it was just something unlike I'd I'd ever had before because for the most part when I was a kid we would go to the beaches and, and I've always been a beach bum. I love being able to look out into the vastness of the ocean and and just see water as far as the eye can see. But to see snow-capped mountains and to be literally two miles above sea level, like yeah, at yeah. at one point one of our visitor centers that we were at had an elevation of over 11,000 feet. That's like two and a half miles above sea level. That's how high up in the air we were, and it barely felt like it. It was just breathtaking, literally. At that altitude, it's literally breathtaking. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Incredible experience and just, yeah, just being in that, being in that area is just incredible. And seeing stuff because, like, we we live in similar areas of the country 
Um, there ain't no soaks, no cat mountains in, in South no. Texas or South Mississippi. Just not, yeah. not, not anything quite like that. No, if you go out west, then like the southern part of the Rockies kind of stretches close by and you can kind of see them from like a distance. And there there is some some really pretty parts of Texas that have those oh, yeah. those those night skies that you were talking about. And there are some things that could be classified as like small mountains, but nothing quite like the Rockies. And I mean, we got to go on this narrow gauge train and it it like it, you you're riding like a Thomas the Tank Engine level steam locomotive through the mountains, and that was that was a a really unique experience. And um, we went to a couple of different cities and did some sightseeing and took some pictures. I was in the same town where Coors Beer gets brewed. Oh, really? Wow. And some of the bars and pubs had signs that say, like, the freshest Coors you're ever going to get, because <laughs> it literally gets shipped right down the street. And I'm like, dang, that is cool. And so, like, it was just a really it's a really long drive. It's like 12, 13 hours from here. But the the views and the exploration and the hike that goes back to the icebreaker. I'm going to round it out with this. The hike that we took on our last full day there was in Estes Park, which is a part of the Rocky Mountain National Park. Right. And there is a just under two mile hike one way that goes to a place called Emerald Lake. And the whole way up there, you're seeing some fantastic views and scenes. And, um, at one point we got high enough in the elevation that we were hiking in snow, which is something that this Texan was completely unaccustomed to <laughs> just snow period. I'm not used to, but hiking no. in the snow, that was a totally different ball game for me. But the end result was breathtaking because in the Valley between a couple of different mountains is this lake and it was summertime. Okay. It was, it was June when we went and the lake was still frozen over. Wow, jeez. An iced over lake in the top of the mountains. And you just don't see stuff like that anymore, man. You just don't. And so it was it was just so fun to to be able to see different parts of the country and be able to experience different parts of nature, different types of weather. I had to buy myself a hoodie. Because it was cold up there in Colorado. I'm not <laughs> used to being cold in the summer, but that's what we had. And it was just, it was the trip of a lifetime. I'm never going to forget it. That that does sound incredible. Yeah, you you going, living in the south where, you know, snow and ice and things are, are very rare if you see them at all. Um, going to a place where it's just like there's a lots of snow and there's a lots of ice and you know and then you go in the middle of you know when summer is just getting good started where it's you know 90 100 degrees where you came from <laughs> and you dude, go there's snow it's snowing here what dude like the the temperatures around here right now are heat indexes pushing like 112 Fahrenheit <laughs> and during Scary. the during the night in Colorado, it was hitting freezing, like in the 30 to 32, 34 at the warmest during the night. 
so like it's Gosh. it's literally like a 70 80 degree difference by a distance of about seven to eight hundred miles it's it's ridiculous um george is in the chat saying that colorado is his home and that he misses it at times first of all george it's great to hear from you and great to see steven in the chat as well um always great to have you all in there and uh for some reason i didn't know colorado was your home state george um i didn't know that either i i had i had a great trip to your home state buddy it was it was fantastic and thanks for being back in the chat with us i know that our uh, our live sessions and and our episodes can be a little sporadic at times, but we peaked at seven people a little while ago, and I was like, "Good lord, what seven people are up at this hour and want to listen to us yammer on about?" I hope a few of you guys are from the SW Discord because that's I put I posted a link over there, so uh-huh. I hope a few of you guys uh, we- weaseled your way over and uh, found us. Um, so if 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 you do, welcome. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, it's been, dang, I know we went to the Rockies, I was, I was probably 15, 16, maybe, last time I was, like, up there, um, and I'm, 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 I'm over 30 now, I'm, I'm an old man now, so it's been a while. (laughs) Man. I want to go back. You, you you gotta go back then. Yeah. Gotta, gotta go back. I, I feel like it's gonna be a pretty regular excursion for us moving forward because her family loves Colorado and I, I really enjoy it too. So it's, it'll, it'll probably be something we do fairly regularly moving forward. Yeah. Uh, that you, you've got a, you've got a little bit of a head start on us down here because you're, you're not close, but you're closer. Closer. Um, yeah. That's uh it's a very relative term though. Right. Right. So Especially, it's, it's definitely more doable as a driving thing, whereas us is just like, do we really want to drive? It's going to be like a, it's going to be like a couple of days. OK, I'm I'm going to I'm going to um, let you in on a little secret and our, our live listeners in on a little secret. But maybe right. we can maybe we can edit this out so the public doesn't know about this. Oh, oh, oh. This, this is for the four people. That if are you're here. if you're hearing this, you're special. The, the, this is for the people that are tuning in right now. Um. I got let in on a little secret about a um, flight pass that is going around on a particular airline right now where you pay a flat rate up front and then all you're paying is the taxes whenever you're flying somewhere. Really? Yeah. So it's Frontier Airlines and lo and behold, they are based out of Denver, Colorado. And I... I think, yeah, see, one of one of our one of our trips when I was a kid was just like we literally, if I remember correctly, we took Amtrak Mm -hmm. to Minneapolis. We drove all the way across to Denver and we flew home. (laughs) That was the thing. So it was literally a planes, planes, trains and automobiles type of scenario. Yeah, that's a a Uh, trip. Yeah. So and I believe one of our early trips we flew. I remember Frontier Airlines is like one of the for airlines we used. Mm -hmm. Um. So it goes way so back. They, they have a lot of flights that go in and out of Denver, but they have flights that go to other places too. They they go to Dallas, they go to New York, they go to Miami, they go to Orange County, they go to John Wayne Airport. They don't go to LAX, but they still take you there. They go to San Francisco, they go to Seattle, like they go to a lot of really big places across the country. And I want to say it's about mm, somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred. That you can pay for a calendar year subscription 
to their flight plan, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And you can book any flight that they've got available. And all you're paying is the local taxes, which is like usually 20 bucks. So if you fly frequently enough or if you've got the travel bug bitten you and you want to go spend a weekend in Vegas or something, you can book it with this flight plan that Frontier Airlines has got. And you're paying a, a good, a decent bit up front. But then afterwards, you're only paying 20, 30 bucks in, in taxes to basically fly across the country for a negligible amount. It pays for itself if you go on about four trips. Wow. That's well, I'm I'm currently looking at some trips um, in the next next couple of years that uh, might that might come in handy. You never know. As long as they keep doing it, as long as yeah. they as long as they keep offering it. But a friend of mine has it and swears up and down by it, says he'll try and get it again next year. They have it for the spring and the fall. And so um, if you only want to travel for a part of the year, you can get it for a discounted rate. But if you want to do it for the full calendar year, then they, they try to make that affordable, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit using the name of the of the company now so that you don't have as much to edit out. But that is something that uh, the wife and I are looking into so that we can get a whole lot of traveling done in a short amount of time, be able to just do like a little weekend getaway. We fly out on like Thursday or Friday night and then uh, just come back like Sunday night or something, not miss a whole lot, but still get to sightsee a little bit. So that's uh, that's on our list. Jesse says, I've always wanted to visit Colorado. Haven't made it there yet. I'm I'm sensing maybe like we just need an IPC road trip or something. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe the same, yeah. Then uh, who knows? It says one of those trips that you're talking about, Ben, had better be to Tulsa or the surrounding areas. Oh, I see the hint that's being dropped there. Well, I mean, maybe maybe just meet and make some stops on the way. Um, hey, yeah. On my, you know, I think I think a couple of them I could they could be hey. arranged. Heck, or I maybe could, I'll could, just meet you there where I'm going. I, I was about to say, I could probably just drive up to Tulsa, and you could drive to Tulsa, and then we just kind of caravan from Tulsa to Colorado. How about that? Hey, <laughs> hey whatever works. Whatever works. <laughs> okay. Um, before we get to the to the meat and potatoes of our episode, I know we're already almost a half hour into this. Um, we're done talking about Colorado and, and travel and stuff for now. How about we take a little trip to Moscow for a few minutes? Oh, because yeah, 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 we, yeah. we have both seen the very first episode of Marvel's Secret Invasion. And um, from the responses that we have seen on our IPC Facebook group, I would say that the interest has been lower than usual for a Marvel TV series. And the reception has been less than stellar. Is that is that the vibe that you've been getting as well, Ben? Yeah, there has been some interesting discourse. Um, a lot of it, unfortunately, has centered around is has just kind of blended the whole AI art debate into it because and there's a lot of bad blood there because the opening is AI art and all that stuff. I don't want to get into that. I won't get into that, but because I have thoughts on that, and I'll, I'll never stop if I open that that can of worms but (laughs) like just taking this episode as it is i haven't heard a whole overwhelming amount of like really positive feedback personally 
I will say that I was, uh, I don't know, kind of meh on it. Like I, I was going into this as kind of because they kind of teased as this was kind of the the Winter Soldier kind of vibe to it, and I love the Winter Soldier. I love Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I love that kind of espionage type of thing, the real world, the grounded, less superhero-y, for lack of a better term, and more just like Earth-based grounded, even though it's dealing with shape-shifting aliens, <laughs> not very grounded. Um, <laughs> it's still very much the tone of this is very much kind of my style, so I like that. Um, and it delivers on that. It delivers on that. It's a very much a slow burn, and I think it should be applauded for like not trying to do the superhero thing, not trying to be – Oh, it's just like, oh, it's just a little bit of talk, some quips, and an action beat, and then a little bit of talk, action, like, they have this cyclical nature, and I love it most of the time, but it can get repetitive, and I, I appreciate Marvel being like, yeah, we're going to do this. This reminds me more of what I thought it was going to be, which is kind of Marvel's answer to Andor, really, in regards to kind of this deep, methodical, slow burn that – Sometimes just characters talking, and sometimes there ain't going to be any action, just kind of things, and there's a lot going on there. So I'm left with a lot of questions in regards to what actually is going on here. I think I need to watch it again. In fact, I would have watched it again if I had time. I literally just finished the, my first time like an hour ago. So it's I think it deserves a rewatch, um, but I will say I'm not as into it as I'd like to be. I'm not itching to go back to it, and this is – there's a lot of Disney Plus shows that I was, especially Star Wars, obviously, that um, ones that uh, I will stay up for. I will stay up till 2 a.m. to watch them because I'm that into them. Secret Invasion in the, isn't on that level yet. It's going to have to reel me in a little bit more to make me stay up um, late to watch it. But uh, for now, I'm intrigued. Of course, I'm going to watch the rest of it and see how it goes. And yeah, it's a it's a interesting start. I'll put it that way. I, I think part of it too involves the um the circles that you run with and and i mean the metaphorical you i don't mean you specifically ben right but um i i think the types of people that we interact with are the types that would um spoil or nearly spoil a star wars episode that they stayed up until two in the morning to watch and so there are times where when you know it's going to be a big episode you kind of have to stay up in order to spoil yourself rather than have somebody accidentally spoil it for you uh, the next morning. Right. And I just I don't know if we're going to have to worry about that all that much with Secret Invasion. Um, I don't know how much there's going to be to spoil. It feels like a fairly self-contained plot right now. It doesn't feel like it fits a whole, whole lot into the um greater mcu just yet maybe it will maybe it builds maybe it leads into uh the marvels for all we know i i don't have a clue but at the moment it doesn't feel super connected maybe it will later maybe it won't but i think just based on what i'm seeing in the chat and based on what i'm hearing from you I don't think this is one that I'm going to, A, lose very much sleep over or B, going to speculate on a whole, whole lot. I'll just watch it and enjoy it for what it is, see where it takes me. And if it doesn't take me anywhere, I'm not going to be overly upset about it because I don't really have very many expectations for this show, period. Yeah, I was I was talking to a friend before we started 
and we kind of came to the conclusion that like maybe it's a, maybe it'll be a better show to um to binge rather than just to watch week to week not to say you won't enjoy it but i think anyone that's kind of like hey kind of like me in regards to kind of, you kind of want something to happen you're you're kind of maybe a little impatient with it you're not willing to kind of wait and see um you may want to sit this one out um and you know i don't want to tell anybody not to watch anything because if you're into marvel i think you will enjoy it you just got to be patient with it but ultimately it's going to be a real slow burn it's going to be a show that you know it may not get really really good or really something happening on screen until episode two three four um this is a six episode series so it's not going to be running that long but it might play better kind of back to back you know because like i wasn't overly thrilled with the first episode but second episode i might love and maybe if they maybe if i watched them together it would play better um, and a lot of the questions that I have in regards to the plot of just like what's going on, what, who's that, who's this, that stuff, it might be answered in the second or third episode. Um, so, you know, who knows? But for right now, kind of not a lot going on in the first episode. Um, there's only one thing that happens at the very end of the episode that's like you could get spoiled on. I won't mention it now, obviously, for those who haven't seen it. But, um, yeah, it's it doesn't – I don't – think this is going to be a big cameo heavy like oh end of episode two captain america shows up he's he's actually you know and it's it's steve rogers he's old still and like no nah, that's we're not going to be getting that kind of stuff i think this is a more methodical type show that's going to be you know maybe someone we knew as a scroll we didn't know you know that kind of stuff yeah that that's the only part that i could end up being a little confused over is you know was this character a scroll all along or did they get compromised and we're only seeing them after they've been compromised or something like that like that's where the real theory building comes into play but i think after one episode it's probably a little too soon to begin that type of speculation just because not everything's going to be revealed in the first episode obviously and so i'm i'm not going to try to delve too deeply into it this isn't going to be a a super uh in-depth review i would probably just give it a very mid five out of ten it, it it has some interesting components but if people are falling asleep while watching the episode then <laughs> it obviously didn't hook them it obviously didn't grab them and there are times i'll admit where it feels like a swan song for samuel l jackson even though he has gone on the record in interviews saying that he has no plans of ending his run as Nick Fury anytime soon. And, and even there's... though we've, we've seen that he's going to be in an upcoming movie later this fall, like the message that it's delivering is rather conflicting and incongruous because it's just, is this supposed to be a send off for Fury? Apparently not, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it does. It does because it's weird. It's weird having because Nick Fury is the star. There's a lot of characters going on here, but he is the main focus of the story. Um, it's interesting that we're catching up with Fury now and giving him. You know, it seemed like we would have had this. Honestly, you know, a Nick Fury story might have worked ten years ago. You know, um, back when we didn't know a lot about him. A, a, um, pre, a pre-blip Fury, I think, would have been way more interesting than a PTSD post-blip Fury, which is right. what we're kind of dealing with here. 
Right. But there, and I've heard that like we're gonna find more about him, about his personal life, stuff like that. Which I think, if we're actually gonna do that, I think that's that's what I would be really interested in. Like we get, not flashbacks per se, but just like more exposition on who he actually is. You know, we hear we we hear Winter Soldier like, oh, you know, here's his his grandmother. You know, things he talks about his grandfather. Um, he has a history. But he's a spy. He's kept things close to his vest. If we actually get to peel back some layers and find out who he is, does he have a family? Is he secret? Does he secretly have a family somewhere? Is he married with kids? Like, do we know that? You know, that would be a real interesting, you know, way to go about it. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but it would be it would be interesting if it did. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting where this goes um, because Fury seems to be taking the spotlight and like, what what can we learn about him that we don't already know? Or what's worth learning about him at this point, I think that is also is, is 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 a bigger question. Like if if this is supposed to be highlighting a fury that everybody assumes is at the tail end of his career, then why should we as viewers be giving a damn in the first place? Like this ep- this like if you had to extract a point to this episode, it's just like it's fury coming back, and then everyone around him going like. You're too old, and you're you're too out of your game. You need to just go back to where you came from, basically. Like, and telling right. him that, and obviously, he'll he'll prove them all wrong in in classic storytelling fashion. I think that's the point of the episode is that Fury's not lost his edge, but he is on the back foot, and we saw that weirdly. We saw that even though it was Talos playing him, playing him, um, you know, that was the the kind of the gist of it in Far From Home is that he was. Like he was frustrated that he didn't know what was going on and, you know, he was gone for five years. Now he's back. Um, And then we know we find out that he wasn't even there in the first place. He was up in space doing stuff. And where how long has he been gone? Uh, That's a question I would like to know is how long exactly has he been gone? Has he did he like is like because here we see him without his eye patch and we know he burns it in in Winter Soldier. Has he been gone since then? Like, was the version we saw in Age of Ultron or Endgame, like, were those scrolls? You know, what's going on? I'm curious. I, I hope that there's worthwhile stuff that gets revealed. But, you know, I, I, I look at shows like WandaVision, where we get something that is unique and different as far as storytelling goes. And then I look at character exposition in something like Loki. And those, to me, felt like worthwhile endeavors. Yeah. This, fir- this first episode did not feel like a worthwhile endeavor. And that, that's a shame because there's a lot of shows and series and movies and whatnot out there that are competing for people's attention. And for us to be giving it a very mid-review means that this tracks to possibly be one of the most middle-of-the-road Marvel shows ever made and could be one of the most forgettable. I I don't think it's going to be anybody's favorite. In fact, I would say, outside of my buddy Mondo, I don't know anybody who says that Hawkeye is their favorite series. You know what I mean? Like, Hawkeye, yeah. was, Hawkeye was fun. It had its moments. It served a couple of purposes. But... Like the 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 leading series out there 
are the ones that everybody's talking about. You know, maybe Captain America, maybe um, maybe WandaVision, maybe Loki. Like, there's there's all these other Marvel series out there that Secret Invasion stands a very great risk of being so middle of the road that people forget about it existing by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'm I'm looking back like literally on Disney Plus now, like looking about all this series and like thinking about, OK, what was the first episode of the series and how did I feel about it and how did it yeah. actually shake yeah. out? Um, And I, I don't remember being I don't remember any like super underwhelming episodes, um, at least not underwhelming like this. Um, But, you know, yeah. I still I still also want to believe that, like, this is the first episode. We've got, you know, six more to go. A lot can still happen. And, you know, some shows just, you know, just start slow. And this is what we're in for. Um, but it's not not up to par. Not really what I expected so far. So, you know, like I said, I'm going to watch it. Come on, I'm going to watch it. But um, I do hope I, I hope just for the sake of discourse that the second episode can kind of kind of be the kick in the butt that the show needs, because I feel like the general consensus is just like meh. And I feel like. When we haven't had a Marvel show in this long, you need more of a reaction. You need more like this, this, mm-hmm. this, as the kids say, this slaps. This is good stuff. And I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling that right now. Kids slaps. Look, I am over 30. I, I can, I officially, I can say that. Okay. I can say, as the kids say, these darn kids. That's, 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 that's my thing now. As the whippersnappers put on their social medias these days. Damn, these darn kids and their lingo. <laughs> oh, man. It's not even that late, but it already <laughs> late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is If you had to give a number to that to that opening episode, I gave it a five. Steven gives it a five. What would you give it? I'll give it. I'll give it a six. I'll give it a six. I think I like it slightly more, slightly more than you did, but not by too much. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, my whole thing is just like rewatchability, like yeah. the factor. Like, I feel like the more like the things that I love most are the things I've watched the most. Um, right. Like, you know, if I go back and watch it over and over again, which I did, like. You know, Falcon Winter Soldier, that was my jam. I've seen all those episodes at least a half dozen, if not a dozen times. Like, that show was my jam. Um, this show, I'm not itching to watch this episode again. I really am not. Even though I feel like I need, I owe it to myself to watch it again to kind of get some more stuff because there is some interesting exposition going on. There's some character stuff. But I'm just like, ah, uh, am I. You know, I got to make time for that. And do I want to make time? Is there some other stuff that I really would rather watch instead? I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll just wait for the next episode next week. Well, what's funny is uh, our friend Jesse gives it a four. Oh, wow. And, and so he says, I'm hoping that the binge format uh, delivers more, delivers better. So out of the four reviews that uh, that we're giving here tonight, um, all of them combined to make an aggregate score of five (laughs) so we're not going to waste any more time on this then because we're about to discuss something that is more in the range of like nines and tens okay like you you've you guys and girls and in whatever identifiers you have 
have been waiting long enough. We're <laughs> almost 43 minutes into this discussion. And the it's finally and potatoes. Time, finally time to talk about the main discussion. And we'll just start with spoiler-free impressions and thoughts so that people who want to hear those thoughts will be able to hear it right off the bat and then can skip ahead to the barbecue segment or whatever the heck they want to do. They can stop listening. But before you do, be sure to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you tuning into this episode. But Ben, initial thoughts on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. How did you, yeah, how did you so think? I'm going to start with what I hated about this movie. And what I hated about it was that it ended when it did. Okay, literally, literally the only bad thing about this movie is that this isn't a spoiler to say because we all know there's another movie coming. It's a giant cliffhanger. Okay, I think I think it's actually good to know going in that this is a cliffhanger. Okay, you can you can mentally prepare yourself because you you watching this movie just from the beginning, just from the beginning. I was watching the movie going like this is a very just the pace of this movie is slower than the last one. And I could tell like. This is two movies worth of story here. This isn't just one movie um, because there's a big prologue. I won't give anything away. There's a big prologue, and then it gets into the meat of the story, what you actually expect. There's stuff that's not in the trailer that's kind of up, up front in the movie. There's a big, big sequence, um, and then you kind of go further into Miles' story, what he's been doing and all this kind of stuff. But like, then you get towards the end, you're like, this movie's long, but it ain't got time. You know, and it, There's no time to, to – to, to fix all this and uh yeah it ends about the way you think but also ends much worse than you think and that's literally the only bad thing i have to say about this movie is just like i have to wait a year to see how all this plays out but it's a brutal cliffhanger but um the movie itself is incredible it really is it's a beautifully animated movie i think it does it's just as good if not better than the original which is a lot to say for a sequel i mean sequels don't always make it that way. You you had a movie in the verse, the first Into the Spider Verse, where it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it was this kind of huge hit, but it also wasn't that big of a hit because no one really knew what to expect, and I think people just right. were surprised and shocked. I remember it coming out and not being that aware of it. I mean, like, oh, it's an animated Spider movie, that's pretty cool, and then like seeing the reviews and people going like, oh my god, this movie is. Amazing. And then going to see it myself and understanding that tenfold. Um, this movie had so much expectations put on it. And I was wondering, like, could are they going to actually do it again? Like, it's one thing to capture lighting in the bottle for that first movie. But how can you transfer that to the second movie? And they did it more, more so than ever. And it's a really incredible piece of storytelling. The storytelling is on point. Every one is firing on all cylinders. And ultimately, I think it's a very worthy sequel and expands on the original mythology of that first movie just remarkably well. And you've got some banger of actors. You've got, of course, you got Oscar Isaac being thrown into the mix as Miguel. Um, you got all the old favorites back like it's it's a fun movie, but also it's a it's a darker movie. It's a longer movie. And, you know, it's got a lot, a lot going for it. And it's a lot um, it's a lot going on. So I, I genuinely, if I didn't have so much other stuff going on, I would love to go back and see it again because it's it's a lot and there's stuff that you just don't catch. There's so many 
little Easter eggs and lines like that and stuff that I didn't catch during the movie that I'm seeing people post about on Twitter. I'm like, I didn't even catch that at all. It's a very dense movie. And so, yeah, I very, very, very much enjoyed it. I think what I love about this movie, well, one of the things that I love is very, very similar, very much in the vein of what of what you had with your opening remarks is that they were able to take something that was already fantastic and somehow found a way to build upon that. That's a very rare thing for a sequel to be able to do. Like this is up there with Toy Story 2 and maybe the second Pirates of the Caribbean film where you are taking something that has a great world already established, some great characters and uh and 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 just some some fantastic storytelling and being able to build upon that in a way that surprises the audience along the way is just something that you don't get a lot of in this in this society. A lot of it is just about being a cash grab. A lot of it is just about what kind of new stunts can we pull off? Yes, I'm looking at you, Fast and the Furious, trying to <laughs> blow up a submarine with a car exhaust engine. What the hell was that? <laughs> like, I haven't even seen Fast 10. I think that was like the seventh or eighth one, and I, they lost me at that. I was just like, what on earth is going on here? Um, but it's not about that. It's about being able to tell the next story, the next logical story, to build upon it, to grow upon it, to give you more depth to your already existing characters and incorporate other characters that enhance the story and help make it better. I said this on my Facebook page as I was leaving the theater five days ago. I said Across the Spider-Verse might be the closest thing to Empire Strikes Back since 1980 i yeah yeah and i i stand by that statement because empire strikes back takes a great story and builds upon it with more story with building the characters with new characters with unexpected pieces of storytelling that drive the story forward carry you into another aspect of world building and universe building and leaves you on the edge of your seat at the end of the film. And I, I just, I have a hard time drawing any other similar comparison. And to me, that is super, super high praise because empire and the dark Knight and Jurassic park, are like the three movies that I have 10 out of 10 ratings for. And I don't even know if I have a 10 out of 10 rating for, for the first Guardians movie. I'll have to go back <laughs> and listen to to our episodes reviewing yeah, those. But I think I gave it like a nine or even a nine and a half or something. Like there's very few movies that I'm willing to give a 10 rating to. And so to compare a movie to a movie that I give a 10 out of 10 rating to, I feel like is high praise. Yeah, I mean, that's I think I think your Empire Strikes Back analogy is quite 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 on the point. And I think 
honestly, and I don't want to get too big into spoilers just yet, but um, I think this is a I would argue this is a bigger, bigger cliffhanger than Empire Strikes Back. Like this is a this is a a movie that kids in 20 years are going to be talking about. Oh, my God, I remember seeing Across the Spider-Verse and I remember that excruciating wait to watch what is it beyond the spider-verse <laughs> it's coming next year um just that's that's it's gonna be this is a huge huge moment huge huge moment for i think this generation's kids and and something that that adults are sharing because here we are grown grown-ass men talking about a little animated spider-man movie but it's a whole lot more than that, okay? It is. It is not no Spider-Man cartoon. This is a. This is a film. This is a movie that is in every way, shape, or form just meticulously made. You can see. I mean, the first movie was incredible, but this movie just takes it to another level. And you can tell. Even I can just tell by how like what the characters are wearing and their 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 you know their clothing, everything, how everything's animated. It felt like everything's been upgraded it felt like everything is just looks better um and that's to say that the first movie did not look bad in the slightest okay they spared no expense with the first movie but this movie takes it to another level and it's just so down to the details how things are animated how things taking that whole concept of just like certain characters are animated this way and and it it's reflective of their character journey and whatever else this takes that to a whole other level now you have characters you have so many different animation designs sometimes it's not animated i don't want to say anything else but um there's just clashing of all these different (laughs) things that uh it really is like this is the best this is shaping up to be the best spider-man trilogy because it really feels like it's a a love letter to spider-man it feels like as much as i love all the other spider-man movies i love spider-man no way home because it is in the similar way this kind of exploration of what it is to be peter parker what it is to be spider-man what it is to you know have these multiple spider-man on screen together playing off each other and figuring this out this is that on in the stratosphere like it's just incredible so you know i'm and what they set up the world building here i think is really fascinating in regards to just like had what things this just opens up the world it is truly across the spider-verse it's this the first movie was just a little looking at the spider-verse through a keyhole this is Mm -hmm. taking you fully into it this is unlocking the door that has that keyhole and opening it kicking open the door (laughs) yep and taking you in head first not knowing what you're gonna encounter or expect or what kind of depth and complexity you can anticipate I mean, it's this movie is is so, so fantastic. But I do have one nitpick. All right. All right. I mean, let's hear it. I do have one nitpick. And this is where we'll get into spoilery territory. So those of you that don't want spoilers for Across the Spider-Verse yet, you may want to cover your ears or just willingly and complicitly listen to my upcoming tangent, because there is a tangent forthcoming, people. So stand by. Ready. The past four years, I have worked for an ATM company. And in this movie, one of the opening sequences after the prologue 
involves somebody going into a corner store, going into a bodega, and trying to rob an ATM. All right. Using the spot portals that this character, the spot, possesses. And I am here to tell you that even when it's animated, I still know a Hantle 1700WATM when I see one. Oh. I know the make and the model, and I know what kind of dispenser and cassette and mechanisms go on inside that machine. And let me tell you, they animated it incorrectly. <laughs> They didn't do your homework, animators. They didn't crack open a Hantle 1700W. They just took a look at one and then guessed what was going to be inside. Because this character, the spot, trying to stick a hole inside of the ATM, I know it's meant to be comedic because he doesn't know how to use his powers yet. I get all that. But if this movie is trying to be steeped in realism and even have real-life cameos in it, which we're going to get to in a little bit, even if all of that is is supposed to be somewhat steeped in realism, they missed the mark completely on what is inside the workings of this particular ATM model. And let me tell you why. So the Hantel 1700W is a response to the company getting sued by another company called Hyosung. One of the previous models that had been produced was actually compatible with some of Hyosung's parts, which you're not really supposed to do. That's a conflict of interest. You're not supposed to make your machine be able to hold the parts and the inner workings of your competitor's parts. You know what I mean? Right. That would be like if if Sony was able to play Xbox games. You're just it, it's not <laughs> supposed to happen. You're you're not supposed to make those things mutually compatible. And yet the way Hantel created their previous model machine, it was able to hold Hyosung parts. So when the 1700W rolled out, it was created with such unique and specific parts that there was no way in hell they'd be able to get sued for the way that this particular dispenser releases its cash. And it was it, it almost felt like a knee-jerk reaction because a lot of the parts inside of an ATM are actually a very heavy-duty industrial-strength plastic. The cassette is that industrial-strength plastic um, some of the the parts that roll the money out to the mouth uh, where you pick up your cash from, they're made out of uh, like a special rubber or a very industrial strength plastic. It's not meant to be super bulky, but they went bulky with the 1700W. And you have to have a very specific double set of keys. You know how like when you are activating a nuclear device and you have to have one person with one key on one end of the room and the other person right. with the other key on the other end of the room? You basically have to have two different keys 
going into the cassette simultaneously in order to be able to access the cache inside it. Like that, that is how complex the company decided to make this particular model. And not only that, but this cassette was made out of metal instead of industrial strength plastic like a lot of its predecessors. So it's requiring two keys and has a metal component inside of a metal dispenser that spits the cash out. It's very metal heavy. It's very deep, very dense, very complex. And the spot just throws one hole on it and is grabbing a hold of the bundles of cash. I'm sorry, that's not how this particular ATM dispenser would work. Or most ATM dispensers would work. <laughs> and I had the same, like, sinking feeling in my gut that I had when I watched the movie Crawl a couple of years ago. Do you do you remember me going on a tangent about the movie Crawl? Yes, I do remember this. Because they tried to lift an ATM into a canoe when there was a hurricane that was flooding a corner store. And I'm not even going to get into why that's not possible. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound too easy. No, but the the fact that the spot so casually was able to uh, try to gain access to the, the money inside of the machine, uh, it, it felt like there wasn't a whole lot of research done, felt like nobody bothered to uh, consult the manufacturers or maybe consult me. Maybe I could have gotten a consulting credit on this movie, um, but it, it's it's a fine line because – I, I don't want to give away too much about my job. I feel like everything that I've said is is fairly safe, um, especially considering the reach that this podcast has. But there's a lot of things that make being an ATM person a relatively unsafe job. And so for um, for for something that is my bread and butter, something that pays my bills, to be taken so um, I guess carelessly. I guess it hurt a little bit because people do their research when it comes to um, how certain animals move, so that they can animate the movement of their of their animated animals correctly. Um, they they check ingredients lists and and they check the the color palettes of certain dishes to make sure that those get animated correctly. Like, how would you feel, Ben, if if somebody didn't properly animate the preparation and serving process of a good rack of ribs? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. This 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 whole tangent reminds me of a situation that I may have I probably talked about way back in the day when we talked about this the first time around several years ago. Um, but there's a moment in, in season one of Stranger Things where they're in a kitchen and there is a a refrigerator in that kitchen that's supposed to be in the 1980s. And, like, I recognize the refrigerator as, like, yes, that's a new refrigerator from the year 2010 or whenever that show came out. That's not an old refrigerator. I know that because I work at a restaurant. And I'm like, it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. You didn't, you didn't quite make it. You tried. There was an attempt. But uh, mm-hmm. you missed the mark. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that 
that is probably the only thing that I would take points away for. That and maybe the music. I feel like the music was forgettable at times in this film. Mm. There, there were there were times where I barely even noticed that it was happening, and maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they were going for something subtle, but I enjoy it when the movie has a has a certain crescendo or has a certain incorporation into the plot where it almost becomes its own character. Like the music in Jurassic Park has its own characterization to it. Now I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges. John Williams is, you know, far and above what other composers are able to make. But you you you, you get what I mean about how the, the music can almost take on a personality of its own if it's done correctly. I didn't feel like the music in this movie had as much personality as it could have. Granted, there's a lot of personality that is being um, exuberated from the actual characters that maybe helps make up for it. But the, the, the ATMs and the music are probably like the two things that I might knock on this movie for. Yeah. My only, my only, maybe if I had to come up with some criticisms on my own, other than just like my kind of mock criticism of just like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it didn't continue. I didn't get. To, I can't see the other movie just yet. Um, it is kind of connected to that issue, which is like there is some things you can tell there. Like this movie isn't. They're saving some stuff. They're holding back on some stuff. This movie is definitely yeah. preparing for. I know the next movie is going to be great because I know there's stuff that they just missed or just wasn't in this movie because it was a very slower pace. I feel like the I, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed, but like it was definitely like there's this moment. Of course, you've seen it in the trailers. And that's kind of my point here. It's just like they're Miles is getting chased around by all the Spider People. It's an amazing scene. Well, you saw it in all the trailers, and like that was kind of like the kind of the climax, but it's also kind of in the middle of the movie. It's this big, huge moment that you're waiting for, but it's kind of all the footage is in the trailers, so you kind of already seen it. But once you get past that, you're kind of like. Okay, what's next? And you're kind of yeah. getting to it, and there's obviously the, there's the fight on the train, which is great, but then it kind of like you're kind of waiting for like the big punch or like like what's actually going to be the big climax, and it doesn't really happen. It kind of just kind of I don't want to say meanders, but it kind of like, kind of keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and then it's like boom, the cliffhanger happens. You, then you realize okay, this is where we're going to leave it, the worst moment possible. Um, so it's not as satisfying. I mean, it's a cliffhanger. It's really not supposed to be satisfying, I guess, in its nature. <laughs> but it's a kind of a frustrating thing of just like the other movie. The first movie is such a self-contained movie, such a self-contained story. I love just putting that movie on. I watched it not too long before I got to see this movie. And it's so satisfying. You just get it's a full roller coaster of emotions. You have the ups and downs, and then it ends, and it's just it's this gut punch of just like oh wow this is just it makes you feel good it's a it's a it's comfort food movie to me um this movie is a different feeling it's a different kind of tone and voice to it that is different it's not a movie that i might if i'm gonna rewatch some i'm probably gonna go back to the original i may not necessarily feel like i'm gonna go watch this one as much as think even though like i said i still want to watch it again i will watch it probably another six times probably once especially once i get it on video but you know it is a movie that is 
completely different in tone, and it's not supposed to be this satisfying journey. It's about expanding, taking the story from where you left it in the first movie and expanding it, blowing it out of proportion to a point where – and then bringing it back home to this very pivotal moment that I can imagine they're going to get out of it, but I don't know how because, like I said, this is a huge cliffhanger, and – yeah. Pardon me if I can go on a tangent really quick. By all means, I went on. A I no, I think I think because you compared this to Empire Strikes Back, and I started thinking about it. I'm thinking, I would argue this is a bigger cliffhanger. This is a more intense cliffhanger than the Empire Strikes Back, which just seems to be kind of the quintessential cliffhanger. Because, like, if you think about it, you know, yes, Empire is a cliffhanger, but it's just like. There's no one really in peril. You know, Han's out there somewhere, but he's alive, frozen in carbonite. We know we're going to get him back. We have the whole thing with Vader and his father. Is he is he or is he not? If you've seen if if you've only seen that movie, you're you're contemplating that. Um and then you obviously have Luke and his journey getting his hand and not having his lightsaber stuff like that. It's a cliffhanger, but it's kind of ends on this hopeful note of just like, "Oh, okay, well, we got our ass handed to us, but well, we're gonna go back out there. I'm gonna meet up with Lando. We're gonna go find Han, and everything's gonna be okay. This movie ends with, you know, Miles in a different universe. He's in the wrong universe. I was flabbergasted. Did not see it coming. And then, you know, it's meeting him himself and meeting Uncle Aaron again. It just, it's great, and not knowing, and then also just the the peril of. He still can't get to his dad. That's still looming, and you know. But it, the hopeful note of just like all the Spider People, I did, I did catch Spider Man Noir in there. I think was one of the guys in the new team that's trying to go get him. Um, mm-hmm. So that was nice. Maybe Penny Parker too. I know she did to make a cameo. Um, I believe so, so. Yeah. So yeah, just it was a really good way. I mean, good slash infuriating way to end but still a just a massive cliffhanger that leaves you going like i need to see this the next part of this i need to really know because everything is hanging in the balance and you know where's it gonna go so this is this is uh what the wikipedia page says as spot returns to earth 1610 gwen assembles a team of renegade spider-men consisting of peter b parker mayday Hobbiteer, Hobby, Margo, Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, and Spider-Ham. So um, those are those are kind of the uh, Spider-Avengers, more or less, that uh, the Wikipedia article is able to at least uh, track down, I suppose. But, I mean, to, to have all of those potentially coming back, to to have uh, Noir with Nicolas Cage, to have Spider-Ham with John Mulaney, to have Jake Johnson taking on another role or, or maybe a bigger role is a better way to put it, um, is just is so, so fun to think about right, right. as far as the third movie coming into play. Steven made an interesting point right before you dropped off, though, in the comments. He said that this type of cliffhanger 
reminded him more of Dead Man's Chest than Empire Strikes Back. Care to weigh in on that thought? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that a lot. Just in, in regards to kind of things hanging in the balance and characters coming back. Some that we thought we wouldn't see again. You know, I could see that, definitely. So, and just kind of like, again, you know, things are in peril. Characters that we love could potentially we never see again. And that's really interesting. So, yeah, I definitely see the Pirates connection there. Why do you sound like you've been, like, going for a sprint or something? Did did you, like, do a 100-meter dash in between resetting your router and coming back on the show? No, it's not like I'm running around the house like a madman trying to reset everything and make sure everything's going just fine. Um, and, you know, if, 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 you, if you're listening to this in the future, you may not even notice that there is a there is a break. There was a break in there somewhere. There, there was there was some point in there where where Zach was just you know talking about how he was going to go to the doctor on monday and then had uh had the idea to go to the zoo after that might that. be that might be a post-credit scene that might be um <laughs> only could. if zach allows me to um it may it may be like no just cut it just just let's leave it a, a little bit of a mystery shall we i don't know i i, I don't know if i really care it's just i i had all of these different things that i was ready to to gear up to talk about and uh, now that we've been sidetracked, I'm like, oh, man, what do I talk about next? But I think one of the things that I really want to touch on and you mentioning the different characters that Gwen assembled is is one of the points that I wanted to make um, about this film in general is the increased presence of Haley Steinfeld's Spider Gwen. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, Gwen has so much more to offer in this film than the supporting role romantic interest that she provided uh, in the first film. And when we talk about expanding character development, when we talk about expanding world building, we are able to get a lot more depth and a lot more motivation and a lot more understanding for Gwen's character in this one than what I originally anticipated. I thought it was a little strange and a little drawn out at the beginning, but then to have that context to help drive her character in the rest of the film was really compelling. Yeah, I I really... I really liked the prologue, and it was something that I was not expecting going in in regards to, you know, giving her much more to do and much more agency and giving her her own story arc. We go to her her world. We spend some a quality amount of time there and get to know her father and, you know, get to see her Peter and see how that all shakes out. And we only got really glimpses of it in the first movie, so it was really nice to see her get some more – to do and you know all leads up to kind of her you know dealing with this and you know you you see the you see the that there's a moment i think it's in the first trailer where she's having this face off with miguel which is when he's sending her home in, in the movie um where he's you know we're supposed to be the good guys and 
yells like we are and that is all played out that's the culmination of that big story arc of her having her own journey into the you know across the spider-verse if you will um and alongside miles but having this weight of it and having to hide some stuff from miles and you know it's in its test their things and you know it's, it's the ultimate wrench in the gears of just like this budding friendship this, this obviously continuing friendship i would say budding romance that i think has been hanging in the air since the first movie um and definitely it's this whole thing of just like yeah I, on top of everything else miles also feels betrayed by his closest friends and people that he really cares about especially gwen so that's a whole thing but gwen having her own story and getting to see her facing off with this thing and seeing her in her own world and how she deals with her father and yeah it's it's a lot of really good stuff that like they could i mean they could spin this off like i'm sure they will <laughs> but um i'm glad that this these spider-verse movies are not just of course miles the center character but there's a lot of other characters in this and gwen is kind of second you know second only to miles in regards to the story and i think she got a lot of really good interesting story in this one well and it allowed for some really great mutual character development by about the midway point of the film into the second half because you're not only seeing things from miles's perspective anymore you're also seeing it through the lens of gwen as well and that's a piece of storytelling that is rather difficult to accomplish because for the most part, a character driven story is driven through the eyes of just one character to be able to move the story forward with things that are happening to miles, but are also being interpreted through Gwen is a delicate balance that I feel like they achieved really, really well because yes, Ben, not Ben, Ben is talking to me right now. Um, <laughs> I just, I got Gwen and Ben mixed up somehow in my, those head. are really close. I'm just now realizing I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are, things are happening to Gwen, but things are also happening to her friend and Gwen is reacting to it. And so, like, I, I'm going to go into a little bit of a spoiler here with the reveal that Miles wasn't even supposed to be bitten in the first place, you know? Yes. He, like, he was originally not supposed to become Spider-Man, and yet he did. And that information is something that happens to Miles. But the reaction, the perspective, the point of view in that point in time seems to be happening more through Gwen's eyes than it does through Miles's eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I do, I'm, well, I have questions about it. Cause it, like the big thing, this, the, the big theme of this movie is canon. Literally. It's as much, as much as I've talked about canon ad nauseum in Star Wars fandom, didn't realize oh. I would hear that word said so much in an actual movie which was a spider-man movie but here we are um but the whole idea of canon canon events and like who is supposed to be spider-man versus who's not 
Um, I am curious about the internal logic of this because you you have this movie is filled with tons and tons of different Spider-Man. It's the whole point of the Spider-Verse. Um, and, you know, like it, it seems to be like there's infinite possibilities. There's a freaking cat Spider-Man. There's a there's a T-Rex Spider-Man. There's all these different <laughs> Spider-Men or Spider-Women. There's so many different ones, and they're all great. But and then you have just the simple ones like, you know, it's it's Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy, not like that was just something that developed in the comics that she wasn't Spider-Man. It was just this whole, oh, what if? What if Peter Parker didn't get by the spider, bit by the spider? What if it was Gwen that got bit by the spider? And this whole thing unravels into the great character that we have in Gwen in, in Spider-Gwen. But how does that figure into I think ultimately and what the movie is trying to tell us thematically and what I think will be unfold in the next movie is just like miguel is wrong like you not certain people anyone can be spider-man anyone can be spider-man but you know just the internal logic of like you let gwen be spider-man you let this t-rex be spider-man but miles can't be spider-man what's the what's the thing here what's the what's the sticking point um but i like that you know the the meddling of again kind of tying it back to the first movie of like with well, the meddling that kingpin did ultimately screwed things up and now we're seeing this world without a spider-man that they're you know that you know even though like it would have happened in miles's universe that you know kingpin again screws things up kills the spider-man in things and 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 miles takes over but now that leaves a void of now you're going into this universe where the the prowler is the big the big bad and there's no one to stop him and the mm. juxtaposition of that and how how do you balance that out and how do you figure that out um and knowing and sure that's going to be a big thing in the next movie just like the the juxtaposition of just like miles has to deal with not only that not to his fault but just because it happens that he got his spider power he became spider-man and someone else did not and now that world was out of spider-man also the version of him in that world is the one that's making things worse, is the Prowler, and that's a huge revelation that obviously is going to be a huge big deal, but it's it's a, it's a part of the cliffhanger in this one. Yeah, and I, I think kind of piggybacking off of, of Steven's comment, he says it kind of feels like the movie is telling fans to shut up and stop caring about canon. Um, yeah, that's true. I I think I think there are times that it does become parodic like that, yes. But I, I think it's just a, another it's another phrase, it's another way of describing things that so many other shows and movies have touched on, um, which is those fixed points in time that cannot and should not be altered. The the fixed points uh like you would see in Doctor Who or kind of like what they touched on a little bit in the Infinity War and Endgame movies, there are just certain things that are doomed to repeat themselves. And if they do not, then they create problems. It rips a hole in the fabric of reality. And that's what's happening in this franchise. That's what's happening in these movies. There was a little rift because of what Kingpin did in in the first film. But now a character who was not even supposed to be Spider-Man in the first place is doing Spider-Man heroic type 
things that he's not supposed to be doing. And as a result, he's causing more problems for the spiders of the Spider-Verse than helping, which is what he really wants to do. And in in that sense, it kind of makes him a little bit of a more sympathetic character, because how many times have we wanted to do the right thing, but we've been going about it the wrong way, and we end up possibly making things worse, even though we had good intentions? Yeah, that's the thing. And it's 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 interesting. You mentioned, I think I believe one of us mentioned Loki earlier. And it's one, I think it's one of the best Marvel shows we've had to date. And I can't help but draw comparisons to that show because that show is about, oh, here's this secret society that is controlling the multiverse, that is regulating it. And in as a big theme in pretty much all movies, but you know, these things of just like being distrustful of organizations and bureaucracies and stuff like that. And the whole theme of Loki is just like, oh, here's this bad thing that is run by Kang, and you know it's this really bad organization. But you get to the end of it, and then Loki's like, wait a minute, I want to do this, but maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe I shouldn't kill this guy and end it all. Maybe this – as bad as it was, maybe this TVA thing actually serves a purpose, and – that ultimately could be applied to this, whereas Miguel is not a great guy, but also you see that flashback. You see that thing of him having a, his his wife and daughter, and you know he lost a lot. He's doing this not because he's evil, but because he's just – he's had a really bad time, and he's trying to prevent that from happening again. And that whole thing of just like the juxtaposition of just like Miles knows that – he he feels like he can do this. He can do both. Obviously, he says as much, and we believe him. But at the same time, what if Miguel's right? What if what Miguel's saying is actually should be practiced? That you know there is a point to all of this, and maybe Miles does need to let go. That's an interesting, it's an interesting thought process. That you know. We don't want him to lose his dad, but what what if Miguel is right? You you got it. You got to go through the motions here and wonder because, you know, just because, you know, all this he's framed as the bad guy doesn't mean he's wrong. Well, and it's another one of those ethics and morality questions. It's like, are you willing to save the world if it costs you your father? You know, like, would you rather let the world descend into chaos if it means that you're facing that chaotic world with your dad? Like, I I honestly don't know how I would respond in something like that. I, I just I don't and I don't care to think about it. And I and I'm definitely not envious of Miles's situation. Um, but to, to touch on on Miguel a little bit and then also possibly. Uh, give some fun facts on Spider Punk. I oh yeah, I really really enjoyed um, Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara. This was a a star studded cast from top to bottom, but Oscar Isaac just just crushed it. But to have Jason Schwartzman, Brian Tyree Henry, Jake Johnson's back, Daniel Kaluuya's back, uh, or, or is in it. 
um, Amanda Stanberg, Andy Samberg, uh, Rachel Dratch, Jack Quaid, and then get this, <laughs> Karan Sony was Pavitir Prabhakar. Like, do you, do you know Karan Sony? I probably would if they saw their face. He is Dopinder in the Deadpool oh, movies. Yes. No lie. I genuinely think that was my favorite character in the entire movie. Him. Genuinely. He's so great. I love I love everything. I love everything about that India inspired Manhattan. I just that whole sequence was great. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I when I heard his voice, I was like, that's Dopinder. I know that's Dopinder. And uh, you you just hear him saying, "Mr. Pool, Mr. Pool." It, it's such a it's such a, a a struggle, Mr. Pool, because she is the woman of my dreams, but I cannot have her. <laughs> like, it I knew it was him as soon as I heard his voice, and my wife like tried to to look up the cast list online subtly from her seat, and was like, "Yep, you're right." Um, <laughs> it, like the the casting. Up and down was was fantastic, but Oscar Isaac really kind of steals the show a little bit as Miguel, I think. Yeah, he it's funny how like I think I don't think it's I don't think it's safe to say that Oscar Isaac is an underrated actor. I think he's he's well rated. Um, He's been in a lot of things. Um, he's great in all of them. This is his this is his third Marvel role for those who are not keeping track. Okay, third. Yeah, <laughs> so, he was Apocalypse. There's a lot, a lot of actors that have been in Marvel at all. This is his third one. He was Apocalypse. He was Moon Knight, which which was really like f- several different roles in one, three different characters really. At least I how I see him. Um, and then you have this, which all of them. And I honestly, I think certain. Certain, for lack of a better term, live action actors, actors that are just kind of fully doing live action work. Some of them don't really translate that well to animation. Sometimes the, the voice work isn't well, isn't isn't well enough, I guess, in regards to like you can kind of tell that like, yeah, they could have just got a voice actor to do this and, you know, it would have been just fine. But he brings it in this movie. He really there's some intense tense stuff and he's he's there for all of it and i think he's a great he's a great villain but also just a great character and things again because he's because he's you know he's very i don't want to say likable but he's very understandable in regards to where he's coming from he's a very understandable villain he's a very um thought-provoking one that I think is going to stick with people a lot. Um, I just love that he was at the big, the end of the first one, and you know who knew who knew that was going to be actual. They were going to actually follow up on that. I just thought, oh, it's great cameo. They got Oscar Isaac. No, he was in this for the long haul. They were seeding that years ago. And I'm here for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I'm here for it, and then some. Um, great, great casting, and 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 that's part of what makes a movie like this so great is you you can have fantastic animation but if you don't have great characters like great voices that help bring it to life then uh it could struggle a lot but let me let me give you um the other side of the coin because this is how much detail went into the animation of this film Mm. 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a couple of facts that I learned online about the production of this movie. Okay. All right. The spider chase scene with all of the different spider people and all of them going after Miles, chasing after him up and down different parts of the planet. They had a team of animators. It wasn't just like two or three of them that was working on it. I want to say it was over a dozen, somewhere in the 12 to 16 animators range. Okay. That one scene took that team of animators two years to animate. Amazing. Two years to make that one scene. Can you imagine going into work every day and you're working on a scene that's like, what, six minutes long? Seven, eight at the most? Yeah, yeah. You go into work every day and your nine to five is to draw a new frame, a new frame, a new frame. Maybe if you're lucky, you get to pump out three or four of those frames in one day. And you're working with a team of 11 or 12 other people to try to pump out a few more of those frames. And you're all working on those concurrently to try to get that scene finished. And it takes your team of animators two years to finish that chase scene. That's just crazy, man. It's incredible dedication that they can just commit to this and it shows like and it's it's amazing that like all their work is just like this deep background stuff like there's so much going on in each of those shots there's so many different spider-man you can tell each one of them which is meticulously animated and then a lot of their stuff won't even be noticed like it's gonna take me probably fifth sixth seventh time watching this movie just to get it all i just you know you have to watch this movie like and not pay attention to the foreground you just have to watch the background and see what's going on but there's so much happening um and like and this movie goes it takes it even further because the whole like everyone from the first movie loved the whole joke about the bagel the bagel joke of just like oh he he grabs a bagel and then Miles throws it back at the dude, and it hits him in the head, and the animation says, bagel! <laughs> and then I about burst out laughing in this movie because I'm like, oh, you hit me with a bagel. I'm your arch nemesis. I'm like, oh my god. They're bring, they, like, they took that joke and ran with it. <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. I love that they took this just random thing that they put in there. They knew everyone loved it because it was a big thing on the internet. And now it's literally like that's the villain origin story. Like that's that's the that's the moment that's that's the mistake Miles made that created this whole mess. Is because of the bagel. Yeah. They they leave they leave no stone unturned. Can I can I give you um, a fun fact to watch out for whenever you watch this movie again, though? I would love to. OK, this is one that's going to be um, very, very nerdy. And if you are into animation, it, um, you're really, really going to appreciate this. I am probably going to mess up the terms, so I apologize in advance. 
but this pertains to the character Spider-Punk. Oh, yeah. His whole thing is about being different. He chooses to work with the Spider Society, and he he chooses what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. He is He's a rebel. He's a punk. And a lot of people view him as cool for this because he is so different from everybody else. In an effort to visually show you how different and off of everybody else's pattern he is, they specifically animated him at a different frame rate than the other characters. Yeah. So I... in in the movie, they are animated in movements of every frame or every two frames. So that means every time the movie cuts to a new frame, and there are tens of thousands of frames, obviously, every time there is a new frame, there is also a new movement. Or at the very least, one of the characters is moving within every other frame. And it creates a very fluid motion in in their movements. Spider-Punk is animated to have movements every third frame. Oh, wow. So his movements are a little more choppy. They're a little more jarring. They're a little more off base, a little more off kilter. And the animators did that intentionally in order to give you this visual subtext about how different and set apart he is from everybody else. He is literally created so differently that he does not even conform to the other spider people's frame rate. <laughs> and I love I don't know I don't know if this was what they were going for but like the whole idea that like so many of his so much of his scenes are like there's like cutouts around him like there's this kind of moving things where like it looks like he's not even like he's like on a different like he looks like he's torn out of a comic book. Like mm-hmm. his whole animation style is like this kind of blurring thing in the background. And he looks almost like two dimensional, whereas everyone else is kind of 3D. Um, and that's kind of the impression I got. That, like he is different. He's he's a rebel. I, I love that character. <laughs> just all of his lines are just great. Daniel Kaluuya is just so good at 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 things. And I, I love that like they keep seeding him. <laughs> they keep talking about everyone's talking about Hobie. Who's this Hobie guy? <laughs> And then you finally meet him, and he's everything you thought he was, and then some. Okay, but did you notice that he did not participate in the spider chase? I don't think I did, no. He doesn't chase after Miles. When when the order is given by Miguel to track down this particular Spider-Man, Hobie does not participate in the hunt. And Which they, is totally they, Hobie. They well, yes, it's very much within his character, but from a technical standpoint, can you imagine how terrible it would have been to try to animate Hobie into this chase scene where literally every other character and every other spider person that is chasing after Miles 
is getting some sort of movement every one to two frames, but they can only change his movement every third frame. <laughs> it would have been a technical nightmare to be moving everybody else in ones and twos and be moving this one character in threes. It would have taken them so much longer to animate that scene if they had to account for Hobie only being able to move every third frame. And if I remember correctly, they did something similar with Miles in the first movie, where his his movements are just a bit off. They're not his frame rate is a little bit different from everyone else because in the theme of the story, he's not fully formed as a character yet. He's not he's not in the same lack of a better term wavelength as the other Spider People. I think it's actually fixed by the end. Um, I believe that's right. I think he is moving in twos, but then by the time he embraces who he is by the end of the movie, he's caught up and he's moving every frame like everybody else right. is. But it's stuff like that that, like, it's so subtle, I think a lot of people would not even notice it. Like, I, I – but I think a lot of it is just, like, it's kind of subconscious. You kind of, like, you're watching. You're like, oh, something's different about that character. He's just animated differently. Yeah. Um. And it just all plays into it. And then other stuff is just like they're putting so much into the deep background, and it's no wonder it's taken this long for this movie to come out. Um. And now we have, thankfully, we only have to wait a year for the next one because if they really were starting from scratch, I know they. I think they kind of had him going concurrently. Um. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know how they're going to top this because they really the the visuals in this movie were. Nothing short of incredible, I think. Bringing that back around to the third movie, and I'm assuming this will keep going. I don't, I don't see any stop, you know, no, see no end to these these Spider Verse movies. Um, the only, the only problem is, is that they just take an incredibly long time to make. Um, which, it's worth the wait. Uh, it's been worth the wait for me, hundred percent. And it's actually making me want to go back and watch Into the Spider-Verse and then maybe try to watch across that same day so that I can have them back to back. You know what I mean? That would be that would be great. And I'm sure what would be really fun is to – I'm sure they'll be happening next year is having movies, uh, marathons, where you can watch maybe all three or at least watch um, across, the Sp- across the Spider-Verse right as you go into Beyond the Spider-Verse. I have so wanted to do that before. I've wanted to go and watch like the Hobbit movies back to back to back or the Lord of the Rings movies or even the Star Wars trilogy, like watch those all back to back to back. But just haven't gotten the opportunity to. I think it's something that I would definitely be down for. I don't know if I could get my wife to go do that. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a look. Go to a a dinner theater where there's snacks. Dude, that would kill me. (laughs) I would go broke. We we went to a dinner theater, and just for this movie alone, we got, like, cocktails, and we got whole oh, entrees. God. I got, like, a personal pizza, and she got wings, and we got a couple of sides of fries. We got a shake for dessert. Like, it with with the tip, it cost me almost 100 bucks to go see that movie. Oh, God. Yeah, I – yeah, most of the time, I go to theaters. I go by myself, but then my family wanted to go see Guardians Volume mm-hmm. 3, and so mm-hmm. I took them. And of course, they wanted they wanted concessions, and we yep. start looking at the menu. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> this is yep. why I never get concessions because you can burn yep. some money at the concessions. 
Yep, that's where they get you. That's where they get you. Let's take a look at the Rotten Tomatoes before we go into our final thoughts. The Rotten Tomatoes and the budget, the the box office mojo, all the the financial and uh, critical logistics behind this film. Mm-hmm. In 2018, Into the Spider-Verse got a Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh rating with over 300 reviews, almost 400 reviews, 97% from critics, and a 94% from the audience. Extremely highly rated uh there's been over 300 views 337 so far for across the spider-verse and it's clocking in certified fresh again at 96 percent 96 percent which is just one lower than what they had it uh five years ago but the audience tick is actually one percent up going from 94 to a very very solid 90 so there is a 96 and a 95 for this iteration of the spider-verse franchise the opening weekend for this film i'm taking a look third friday saturday sunday domestically uh let me see the domestic weekend for the opening weekend it made back its entire budget in one weekend. The entire yeah. movie took made cost them a hundred million dollars to make, and in one domestic weekend, it made almost a hundred and twenty-one million. I also so, heard that I believe I'm not remembering this right. I looked for the article, but I can't find it. Um, that it made all the money it's box office opening weekend was basically it surpassed the entire box office of into the spider-verse in the opening weekend (laughs) the entire box office run in the opening weekend crazy worldwide it has already made almost a half a billion dollars right now the box office mojo shows it at 499,548,000 at the time of this recording. So it is just a few screen runs away from being able to eclipse a half a billion globally. Not internationally, the domestic is probably about 58% of what it's made so far, but this 2-hour and 20-minute flick has made 5 times its budget, which based on those standards, I would say that if you can afford to make a masterpiece like this on a hundred million and know for a fact that you're going to make more than double that in the box office. I think it's pretty safe to say that there's going to be more of these movies. I would say so. And this is how, what, what an incredible, what an incredible, just not only say commercial, but just a advertisement of just like the possibilities of animation and just artistry and just like how you know people can just put so much effort and love and care and you can really just watch this movie you can tell it was it was a labor of love for these people that doing it and you know to and to have it produce such amazing results and also be very successful and this isn't this isn't some 
cartoon. This isn't some Spider-Man cartoon. This isn't some animated movie. This is a movie. This is a film. And I hope this is hopefully going towards – going in the direction of of dismissing all this – I don't want to say snobbery in Hollywood because we mm-hmm. still still have the best animated Oscar, best animated film Oscar. No, put it in the best picture. I want to see Across the Spider-Verse nominated for best picture at the Oscars next year. Do it. I am going to be extremely pissed if this doesn't win. At least best animated film. I, I I think it could be a contender for best picture if people would if people in the Oscars would learn to appreciate all of the logistics that we just discussed. You know, animation being able to, is not a genre. Okay, it's not a to, genre. Being able to to look at the the technical aspects of the the labor of love that went into this movie. It's literally a four to five year project, and uh, I I think it absolutely deserves. But let me tell you, dude, it's going up against the Super Mario Brothers movie. That is true. That is true. I think um, I, I think the the best animated film contenders are are going to be across the Spider Verse, Super Mario Brothers, and probably either uh, Elemental or Wish. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, the, again, animation doing pretty well lately. Like, arguably, the two biggest movies of the year will end up being two animated movies. Oh. Mario Mario and Spider-Man. Like, that, those are two of the biggest movies of the year. Not, not animated, not biggest animated movies, not biggest kids movies. Biggest movies, period. Box office blockbusters. Easily. Without a doubt, without question, easy. So, Stephen says you guys probably wouldn't want me to rant about Oscars culture. Uh, you probably don't want me to do that either, especially considering how late it's getting over here. <laughs> we should probably, unfortunately, go into some of our our final analysis, our final thoughts, right. and our overall score for this film, so that we can wrap this podcast before midnight. Um, ben, what? Would you give this movie out of ten, and why? Who see this is this is a tough one. See and see I again I need I need to see it again. I need to see it again because you know I am comparing it to the first movie. I am comparing it to how much I love the first movie. How much it's a as I said a comfort movie that really just I can. It's a movie I'll never say no to. It's a movie. That I will always go back to, and I'm not. There's a lot of movies I have to be in the mood for. There's a lot of movies that I really, really love. There's Star Wars movies that I love. I kind of have to be in the mood to to put them on and just watch them. Spider Verse is a movie that I've always just like. If I got some downtime, I'll put it on. It's it's great to have. Um, this movie, I don't know if I have that relationship with this movie, but it's still the filmmaking, the voice work, everything, the animation. It's all there, and it's all arguably better than the than the original movie which is saying something and it's a movie that i truly love and i want to enjoy it more and just get into it because it is it just takes everything the first movie and just sends it into the stratosphere and i think that's just so impressive 
And I was skeptical going in. I was just like, can they do it again? Obviously, I heard a lot of the reviews going in, so I knew something was up. But before all the reviews, before we knew what this movie was going to be, I was just like, can they do it again? And they did it. And I really – I don't think I can give it anything other than a 10 out of 10. I genuinely can't find a single thing wrong with this movie other than it ended when it did okay that sucked (laughs) but anything else but i mean that's the point of the movie it's a big cliffhanger and it's supposed to be infuriating and it's supposed to get you involved so yes i am waiting on bated breath to see across the spider-verse or no it's not it's not across the spider-verse it's beyond the spider-verse which comes out may march 29th yeah i'm gonna say it's coming out like in the spring. I bet that thing is like mostly done. They they like they probably worked on those films concurrently in order to be able to pump them out back to back like that. Like right. I know it's I know it's only I know it's only June, but to to be able to send it out in in what is that? You said March? March 29th. So end of March. We're going to so be we're, we're kind of towards the end of June. So let's go end of July, end of August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. We're looking at nine months. Yeah, it's le- way less than a year. So you're quick turnaround, quick turnaround. Compared, so not compared, not, to, yeah. compared to a five year turnaround between movies one and two. Yeah, exactly. a nine a nine month turnaround between two and three is going to be. Very, very interesting. They're probably putting the finishing touches on that one, but I'm and I'm assuming like they they focus all their energy on the first one, being that it was coming out sooner. But um, and also I I hope they're not being crunched because I know there is a whole thing in Hollywood again, Hollywood business, animators getting crunched and being forced to do on you know really really bad hours like that. I hope they're not being forced to do some stuff like that. But um, but yeah, they've they've it's not that long really i didn't even think about that yeah, it's one pregnancy away that's <laughs> <laughs> one way uh boy okay yep it's getting late uh steven says he gives it a nine out of ten it's his fifth favorite spider-man movie man mm-hmm. we may need to do like a whole thing sometime where we just rank all of the spider-man movies i mean we've got enough now we could do a top five spider-man movies and There'll be a lot of options. Yeah, maybe we do that next spring after we see Beyond the Spider-Verse. Or you could expand it out to top five movies with Spider-Man in them, because that's a whole other. That expands it out even further. That would that would give you the Avengers. That would give yep. you Civil War. Right. That would, that would give you a lot of stuff to work with, for sure. Um, as for my final thoughts, as I mentioned, I, I still feel like the music wasn't as personable didn't have as much personality Mm. as as i've seen other movies have and uh i i just personally wanted to to nitpick the the whole atm sequence i i i laughed at it but i still i still find it something that you know out of all of the thought and all the detail that they go into for literally everything else you couldn't consult an, an ATM technician before doing that sequence, like really, that's the that's the corner you're gonna cut. But um, I really look forward to seeing it again. I really look forward to seeing all of the TikToks that point out the Easter eggs that I didn't know beforehand. 
I I really look forward to appreciating this movie even more than I already do. But I think I'm probably in a similar boat as Steven, and I think I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. The, the, the music and the ATM stuff is a knock on me, but I think it has the potential to climb a little bit higher if and when I learn more things about this movie than what I currently do. I really like the character development. I really like the cliffhanger that they leave us on. I really like how it builds upon everything and takes it to another level, takes it to a, like another step further. The, the characters, the voice acting, the animation, there's so many things to appreciate about this film. I think there's something in there for everyone. And that's a really special thing. So it, it is a 9 out of 10 for me. It's great. And I hope Jesse is convinced to go watch it now. He says, I haven't seen it yet. But I will see it this weekend. Based off reviews and how I normally see movies relative to peer reviews, I'm guessing I'll be giving it an 8 out of 10. I think that might be a fair assumption, Jesse. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's also good that you're going to be seeing it with both eyes. <laughs> for those that's, of you, that's true. For those of you that know, appreciate that, that beautiful animation with both he can, eyes. He can appreciate it just a little bit better now that the eye patch is off. So. Uh, rest well in the meantime, buddy, and uh, enjoy the movie whenever you do finally get a chance to see it. But yeah, or I mean, uh, you could you could incorporate the eye patch into like a cool like a, a pirate Spider-Man cosplay, maybe. I don't know, like maybe make your own make your own Spider-Man. Just thought. I mean, crossover cosplays are a really big thing right now. You like, could, you could think do Jack Sparrow meets Peter Parker. How, how do you make that work? Peter Sparrow. Who knows? <laughs> hey, dude, last time I went to Comic-Con, I saw a dude who looked like a cross of Captain Kirk and Elvis Presley. <laughs> oh, I'm getting some visual images here. Oh, that sounds. I'm just thinking, was... oh, that's interesting. It was very interesting. I was all shook. I love up. them though. I love the crossovers. Those are the best. I was I was all shook up from it. But yeah, it was. It, it, it's always fun seeing those types of of imaginative creations from people. So I think it's definitely possible. But Indeed. I think that I think that's it for for our review of Across the Spider Verse. That was a that was a great discussion, in spite of the usual circumstances that we get i i would call them unusual but at this point we should just come to expect them i think but we do have just enough time to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in your neck of the woods at the top of the show we talked about some of my travels and now we get to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened to you jesse's already put it in the chat but for everybody else that's tuning in on your podcatcher or if you're still listening live with us at this hour of night get out those hashtags and use them wherever hashtags can be found because it is time for another edition, a very special, unique edition of hashtag BBQ watch barbecue, 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 Barbecue! 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 Watch. Yeah. 
So Ben, I, I, I don't mean to make light of your situation. I really don't. And I, and I hope that this isn't coming across this way. No, no, no. But I just, I personally have lately found food to be the thing that relieves me of my emotional distress. And I would dare say that there is very little out there in the world that is more emotionally distressing than a natural disaster. Hurricanes and tornadoes and the like. And your family is running a a barbecue business in a town that just experienced probably the worst tornado in a decade or plus. Probably ever, I would think. Probably would ever. That that's just it's it's crazy. First of all, how are you guys holding up? And second of all, are you guys going to be currently open for business? Did your business get affected? Um. So a little bit of backstory here. Um. This happened Monday. Um. And weirdly enough, it's been uh. So of course, I live in I live in Moss Point, Mississippi, where this happened. It's real weird to go on Twitter and see. Good Morning America and World News Tonight tweeting about your hometown. Um, real yeah. weird, but um, yeah. that's what happened on you know last couple of days because this was a big deal. Um, we got um, I was telling you before the show we got alerts on our on our phone saying hey hurricane tornado warning. We don't get those. We don't get tornadoes down here. Okay, we have hurricanes in the south. I live we live very close to the water. We're not in Tornado Alley. We do not get them very much. Um, but we got a, you know, tornado warning on our phones. We're like, okay, this does not look good. And then we look outside and it literally it was the middle of the day. The sky turned black. It was as black. It was dark as it was nighttime outside and this wind started blowing and we, we took cover. And as it turns out, a tornado, an F2 tornado, as I think it was today that the national weather service actually declared it was an F2 tornado. It was on the ground for I think five minutes, five, six minutes. Um, it damaged a total of like over 300 buildings in this town. Wow. And it's destroyed many of them, absolutely destroyed many of them. Thankfully, our house was not one of them. We came very close. Looking at the damage, looking at how close we were, it was crazy. There was There's a high school stone's throw away from a house that was very much – not destroyed, but very damaged. Part of the roof was ripped off. It was dang. And then further, as you go further into town, which is just a few blocks away from me, there was just it was absolute devastation. Um, we've had a lot of hurricanes. We had Hurricane Katrina here, you know, almost 20 years ago. That was a big deal. I haven't seen destruction like that since Hurricane Katrina. Like that was right. There's a church that was the roof was ripped off completely. There's a bank that was pretty much total. There was people trapped inside for a short amount of time i hope um and it's really bad and if you you want to look this up it's on my facebook it's on you can just google moss point tornado on on your twitter facebook whatever there's tons of videos there's videos of people in their cars writing this out there's tons of videos of the tornado itself it's insane it's something we've never experienced down here we like i said we don't get tornadoes this is just mind-blowing to everyone down here um but the good news is and the reason i will say that it's totally fine to make some light of it because there was no serious injuries reported no one died everyone's okay 
And that's the blessing in all of this is that there was – no one really got hurt. Several mm-hmm. people lost their homes, and my heart goes out to them, but no one got hurt, and that was the important thing. Um, so we're going to rebuild. It will be all right. And my family personally did not think we were out of power for a couple of days. That was a little uncomfortable, but it was a small price to pay for what happened. Um, so yeah, and the the restaurant is perfectly fine. It was miles away. No no problems there. Going back to work tomorrow. So that's that's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of days. But we're doing all right. I think everyone's things. We're getting a lot of help, um, and. We're going to start the rebuilding process, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes, but um, it's been wild, and yeah, I don't know what else to say other than just just thankful because it was – it's yeah. very close, kind of a little, little traumatic, a little traumatic because just, just seeing the more stuff that I see around, I'm like, crap, this is really bad. There's just so much damage, and just a couple blocks away from me, there's a – giant motorhome like not this rinky dink motorhome because there's one that's actually been on the news it's kind of a smaller motorhome this is a massive like size of an 18 wheeler motorhome that's just flipped on its side and i'm like wow how how is that how is there so much power in the wind and so much power in this tornado they could just do something like that crazy crazy never seen anything like that around here so it's quite flabbergasting that's crazy, man. I'm I'm glad that you guys are all okay and that your your homes and your businesses that uh, those those didn't take as big of a hit. I was looking at some pictures of the gymnasium at Moss Point High School, and it's gonna it's gonna take uh, quite a bit of uh, labor to get that into a into a better position. And then roofs just completely off of churches. It's 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 crazy, um, but you guys are going to be able to to open up for business and let's say there are some some distraught people that are looking for comfort food in this time of need what what on your menu would you say is the best type of comfort food that people might want to use to help them in the rebuilding process Whew, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because as you know, our menu's not super big, but I do I do hope people pay us a visit because not only have we got a lot of friends around here and uh you know and, and it's great and just a shout out to a lot of people because there's you know, there's churches coming in and there's there's businesses that are opening themselves up and offering food, free food to people affected by this, which is just great. Um I don't know. A lot of, I mean, obviously the biggest thing in our, our menu, the thing that people really strive for is the ribs. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially around here, would uh, it would probably make their day. It'd probably get, give a little bit of solace just to have a have a few ribs and whatever else. I mean, it, it's all good, but um, definitely something that I miss. I mean, I freaking like I've been eating our food for forever like my entire life and i'll still like go on vacation or we'll be you know closed for a couple weeks maybe and come back i'm like oh yeah i miss this this is this stuff is actually good i i you know i it's it's very comforting it's uh so yeah it's it's something but uh i'm glad to see the communities coming together and uh yeah it's takes it takes some time but um we'll be back on our feet before long i assume 
I usually gravitate towards brisket myself, mostly because I I know the 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 texture and the fat content that I'm getting myself into, and there's no um bones that I have to worry about. So like the I I love you guys' ribs. I do. They I I still assert that they are the best ribs I've ever had. I would definitely have some ribs. But if I was ordering comfort food for me, it would probably be at least a pound of marble cut brisket. At least a pound. Maybe two. Because I know there are other people around me that would want a bite or two. And that bite (laughs) or two would turn into three or four. And so I would get in bulk. I would get a a little heavier amount. And... If I had leftovers, I could put it on a bun and make a sandwich later, or I could dice it up and put it on top of a potato because baked potatoes are definitely a comfort food for me as well. So a barbecue baker would probably be a comfort food I would resort to. Um, but I, I definitely get where you're coming for with the ribs as well. I think I think those would be the the two best comfort food recovery meats that I would that I would lean towards if a natural disaster happened to me and i was like man this day sucks nothing is going right for me i need one thing to go right in my life and i need that to be the barbecue that i put in my belly and i think for me it would probably be brisket or ribs like you said yeah brisket that's that's comfort food yummy that's that's the good stuff man well our heart goes out to the folks at moss point and we wish you all the very best on your recovery process and we're just glad that uh nothing really severe happened to the Hart family and that uh, y'all are going to get to continue business as usual and uh i'm glad the power came back in time for this podcast man this was a fun one yeah weirdly um for those of you listening live it went off for like a second <laughs> during this podcast hopefully you <laughs> won't actually hear that part of it but um if you're listening in the future but um Weirdly, it just it just it kind of uh, it, it we spent a long time going like when's it gonna come back on when's it gonna come back on and then it came back on we were very happy and then it goes off for a second you're like oh my god is it is happening again um because uh yeah that's that's what happened right before the tornado hit was was the power went out and that really makes you think it's like you know that's not something that happens every day you're like crap yeah and you can there there's just you can hear the wind and everything a lot better you hear what's going on outside a lot better when there's nothing on in your side of your house so yeah. that makes it all the more terrifying sometimes i i can imagine we haven't had any severe weather like that severe lately but i feel like by the time the fall comes around and some of the heat here in texas kind of fizzles out uh we could be in for a nasty fall so and um, I and I would I would just say this, and this is something that I learned this week. And I, you know, not to say that I would ignore stuff, but I've always we I grew up down here in the mindset. It's like we don't get tornadoes. Those don't have those happen up north in Tornado Alley. I would say don't if you get an alert on your phone that says tornado warning, a tornado warning versus a watch. Watch means that maybe they're they're watching for tornadoes. Tornado warning means. There's something happening. There's a tornado that's happening. Uh, heed those warnings. Go even just look. Take your take your dog, or your cat, or your your kid, or whatever else. 
go get to the the innermost room in your house and just wait it out. If nothing happens, nothing happens. But it very well something could happen, and you don't want to take any chances. So if you get those warnings on your phone, don't ignore them because it could it could mean a lot. And can I give one little analogy before we sign off? Absolutely. This is something that you're gonna probably get a kick out of because <laughs> I'm I'm Texan and we love tacos. Absolutely. So the way it was described for me is that a tornado watch means that we've got some ground meat and we've got some onion and cilantro and we've got <laughs> some cheese over here and uh, we've got some tortillas or some taco shells over on you know this part of the bar. We've got all of the fixins, all of the things that could potentially make a taco is what happens during a tornado watch. A tornado watch gives you all of the fixins that could potentially make a tornado. Yeah. Yeah. When you yeah. have a when you have a tornado warning, all of those different ingredients have come together and now you're actually eating tacos. That's that's brilliant. That is brilliant. I I had tacos tonight for dinner. So that's especially apt. <laughs> so we've got all the fixins for tacos during a tornado watch. But then when a tornado warning happens, it's like tacos. We're having tacos. Tacos are happening right now. We're having tacos, people. <laughs> and I feel like I don't know. This, maybe this is a commentary on the news, but I feel like you hear warnings all the time. You're like flash flood warning, whatever else. You're just like, ah, whatever. You know, you don't really pay much attention to it. But it's just like it's it's real, guys. These people I know I can be very skeptical when it comes to the weather. It's like I, if I, I don't need the weather, I'll just look outside. If it's raining, I'll you know, whatever else. If it's if I'll look at the temperature, it's cold. Like but like these people know what they're talking about, you know, and this stuff can save your life. And absolutely I I would I would assume it probably saved a lot of lives around here because um yeah, in the middle of the day people are doing all kinds of stuff. It it went through a it went through a residential neighborhood and a business district and i don't know how anybody didn't die from this just incredible it's uh it's nothing short of a miracle and that, that's the only time i'm going to use that word tonight i think it is but <laughs> we're, we're we're so glad that we were able to get this episode pumped out for you next episode is most likely going to be talking about indiana jones and the dial of destiny i'm yeah. super excited for that it's going to be a really, really fun discussion. But, Ben, in the meantime, between now and the next episode, where can the folks at home keep up with all your shenanigans? Well, they can follow me on my personal accounts at Ben Hart with no E. You can see mostly what I've been tweeting about and talking about is the tornado. So there's a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of tornado videos and photos, stuff that I've taken. Um, and a lot of other people stuff that other people have taken. So yeah, take on. Then also I had some I had some hot takes about the Secret Invasion intro. Okay, I did talk a little bit about that. So check that out. Um, and then also of course my other podcast, the Star Wars Unreal Podcast, will be back uh tomorrow as of recording this. Um, and talk about some Star Wars stuff and whatever else. And on the socials, you may go looking for the Star Wars Underworld. You won't find it because it's the <laughs> Indie Underground now. Uh, we're tweeting all about. Indiana Jones, everything like that, to 
I hope people are liking it. They seem to be liking it, but also there's a couple of comments like, this is a Star Wars paid blah, blah, blah. I'm like, quiet. It'll be over in a few weeks, okay? It's just to the end of the month, okay? We'll go back to Star Wars then. But um, in the meantime, we're all about Indiana Jones, so definitely it's still at the SWU. That has not changed. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it, and uh, this was fun. Uh, man, it, it's always fun getting to hop on and, and geek out for a couple hours. I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this. Looking forward to the next one. In the meantime, you can follow me at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H, the voice, all one word. There'll be some sports stuff. There will be some stuff about um, the Colorado trip. There will be some stuff about uh, a possible job update that's coming or maybe not coming in the not-too-distant future. Um, still got a few details to hash out, but... Uh, I think those of you who who have followed me for a while know that uh, it's it's been my my dream and my desire to pursue a particular profession full time, and uh, it I it's looking like that's a very real possibility coming up, and so um, just be on the lookout for an official announcement, and uh, if you're looking for for sci-fi updates or updates about when we're gonna be doing our next episode then go join the intergalactic peace hangout over on facebook yeah or follow us on the socials at ipc podcast on facebook and twitter we also have an instagram page but god knows what the last time we posted on that page was um but you can follow us there as well so yeah zach the voice and ipc podcast and check out uh phantom empire and the legacy of westeros we're doing a lot of game of thrones videos and stuff over there and some new content from that channel We'll be pumping out on YouTube in the not too distant future. So, a lot of, a lot of plates spinning right now, but I wouldn't have it any other way. No, not good to be busy. It's good to have stuff to do. Yeah, and, uh, not, not busy. You're depressed. So, <laughs> exactly. But we're gonna keep doing this show and keep keep giving you guys something to do, as in listening to this show. Um, so I uh, cannot wait to hopefully. It's just in a few weeks, hopefully, get to sit down and uh, and talk about the Dial of Destiny. That that name is still mysterious and somewhat ominous, and that's exactly what Indiana Jones is supposed to be. So hopefully you all will be able to tune in for that episode as well. But I think that's going to do it for this one. Episode 362 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast is now officially in the books and being put to bed, which is exactly what I'm about to do as well, put myself to bed. For Ben, I'm Zach, thanking you for tuning in to this episode. We hope to see you all again next time, but until then, good night, everyone.
Stephen, to your point about how this feels more like Dead Man's Chest, when I started thinking of various cliffhangers that I have seen recently, that was definitely another one that I was thinking of personally, because I had such euphoria and satisfaction and confusion over why I'm seeing Barbosa again. And to to see him back and to to see his face and and and, his, and to hear his question and then go to credits I, i'm sitting there just kind of dumbfounded like what is supposed to happen next and i did have a rather dumbfounded expression when it comes to uh this particular film ben is in the process of of rebooting his internet and is going to try to be back on shortly but uh, to your point steven i i did think of Dead Man's Chest when I was thinking of the various cliffhangers. And I also thought of maybe the uh, season finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, where Picard is Locutus and Riker gives the order to fire on the Borg vessel. When, when you hear him say, Mr. Worf, fire, and then the season's over, you're sitting there on the edge of your seat going, wait, no, you can't stop at this point. You can't stop at this juncture. You, you, can't, you, you can't leave me on, on the edge of my seat like that. And it was funny because we were at a dine-in theater and I got myself a cocktail when we went to go see this movie. And somehow I guess I'd forgotten that it was a cliffhanger. And I, I knew that another one was in production. And, and I remembered that um, this was originally called Part 1 and Part 2. But in the moment, I guess I'd forgotten. And I had been kind of like making little comments under my breath that my wife could hear and the guy sitting next to me could hear. And um, when it finally went to credits at the point that it did people were murmuring a lot. Like, there was a lot of chatter, a lot of murmuring in my theater. And I I remember that uh, I decided to speak up a little bit where my wife could hear, my new friend sitting next to me on the other side could hear, and then maybe a couple of people in front of me and a couple of people behind me. And I just kind of went, that's not okay as the credits were rolling and I got quite a few laughs out of that one. Um, I just, I like the, I like the, I like the experience of, of it being uh, something that the entire crowd may not be thrilled about. Um, Ooh, I hope y'all can hear that. Oh boy, how's it going? I uh, I'm I'm good. Are you good? I think I am. Just the internet the power went off for like a half second. It was just enough to screw everything up. <laughs> yeah, that that half second caused me to do a good five to ten minutes of improving that I wasn't prepared for. I am so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs>